their journey began in Yasharel. But they were scattered across the face of the earth. Each one with its own beats, and each one with its own rhythm. As the dry bones are being revived, the beat begins again at the heart of the tribe. Hello, welcome to Heart of the Tribe show. Um, it is July 28th of 2022. I am Shel Wagner, your host, and I'm so happy to be here today. And I'm even more joyful to bring on my co-host, Lee Carruthers. Hi, Lee. Hi, Shell. Thank you so much for having me here today. I am just so excited to get into our talk today on Reuben and the urinary body system. I know it's so it's really exciting what we're doing. We're having so much fun with this, being able to go back and forth and study it out. It's really it's so much fun to dig treasure out of the word. Oh, of my God. gosh. Yes. And and boy, is it there even in the urinary system? <laughs> I know some people have got to be like, are we really going to talk about that today? Well, you just wait. And the treasure would not be kidney stones, right? <laughs> No, although after what you go through to pass one, you might want to put that up somewhere as, yes, I lived through that. <laughs> yes. yes, absolutely. All right. Well, since we have so much to share today, I'm going to go ahead and add my screen and, and get started. Yay. Okay. So Reuben, this is the first born of Yahusha and the and the urinary tract system is the body system that Reuven lines up with. Now, I just wanted to give um, a little exhortation on the body in general with this particular verse, uh, verses out of Ephesians. It's Ephesians 4 verses 11 through 16. And it says, and this is just trying, this is kind of the, the heart of the tribe of helping mm -hmm. us understand, you know, these families, the way that they were encamped in the wilderness, the way that they worked together in different places in scripture and who was beside who it, we have to start thinking about it. You know, he did create both the neck bone and the ankle bone, but those two don't really connect together or we would be walking awful funny, you know, <laughs> right? There's a reason there's there's a reason for how he has connected us. What bone goes to what bone? What joint goes to what bone? You know, it, there's a reason for the way that it's set up. And there's a reason in the in the natural why some personalities we may get along with a little bit better than others. It it just works that way. And it's it's because of how he has created us. Alrighty. So in Ephesians 4, verse 11, it says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the Kodashim, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Mashiach, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of Elohim unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Mashiach, that we henceforth be no more children tossed 
to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Mashiach, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies according to the effectual working in the measure of every part makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Isn't that a great scripture, Lee? Awesome. (laughs) It really is. It really kind of puts that whole thing about, you know, where we all fit. Where we fit. Yeah, mm-hmm. it makes it make sense. I know Kat's here with us today. Shalom, Kat. We're so glad you're here. Okay. So going right into the heart of Reuben. Um, of course, this is what Yah showed me back in 2002 concerning uh, his that the that all the tribes really were still alive and scattered out into the nations. And he made that very real in my understanding. And then he showed me kind of, how do you recognize what's on their heart? And so this was the verse that he showed me, but you Adonai are an L full of, full of compassion and gracious, long suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. And that's from Psalms 86, 15. So the key to understanding the heart of Reuben is compassion. For Reuben, the compassion of Yahweh began with his mother before he was yet conceived. We see this in Genesis 29, 31 and 32. It says, and when Yahweh saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Raquel was barren. And Leah conceived and and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, surely Yahweh has looked upon my affliction. Now, therefore, will my man love me. So Reuben was a witness as a young boy growing up of the constant strife between his mother and his aunt Raquel, right? He knew that his father certainly preferred Aunt Raquel to his own mother. It was obvious to everyone. And so there was a a time, he was about 13 years old when this happened in Mm -hmm. Genesis 30, 14 through 18. And you can imagine, you know, boys of that age that have a close relationship with their mother, they can be so kind and so tender and Mm -hmm. so loving towards their moms. And so you see this, especially because they kind of are starting to come into manhood, right? Starting to, to, you know, find out, you know, who they are somewhat. And, and that protective instinct begins to take over and no one's going to hurt my mom, you know, and you can kind of see that. And so he, as he was witnessing this, this constant strife, Reuben showed compassion towards his mother when her womb was closed by gathering mandrakes, which were believed to make a woman fertile again when she was past childbearing age, right? That was what this was like this, you know, magic potion type thing, right? (laughs) And so he went and he gathered these up because um, her womb was past childbearing and he wanted her to be able to continue to bring forth children. And so that's what he does for his mom. 
Reuben then also committed a sexual sin when he was, uh, I think he was around the age of 30. Is that right, Lee? Mm -hmm. Is that 30. Yes. 30. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he did end up committing a sexual sin with his father's concubine, Leah's handmaid, uh, Bilha. I'm sorry. I have that wrong. This was not Leah's handmaid. This was Aunt Raquel's handmaid. And I mm -hmm. have that wrong in my notes. I've got to um, fix that there. I mean, just, I can do it because I'm right here. There we go. <laughs> Rachel's handmaid. <laughs> All right. So that was in Genesis 35, 22. And it cost him the blessing of being that firstborn son. And we're going to come back to this quite a bit. When the elder brothers of Yosef were plotting to kill him, Reuben was the one that, that who suggested that they throw Yosef into a pit instead so that he could rescue him later. We see that in Genesis 37, 19 through 22. Again, we see that compassionate nature, right? So as the famine in the land was raging, Yosef requires, because Yosef has been now, uh, has become the second in command in Egypt, in right? Meme, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so he, uh, the, the brothers come there because of the famine and Yosef says he requires that the youngest brother be brought before him if they want to procure more food for the family. So Reuben takes the elder brother lead by offering his two sons to be killed if Yaakov will allow Benjamin to go with them mm. and if they were to return without him. So again, you see him, you know, rising up to take the lead, to take responsibility. So those leadership things are there just because he lost the position of firstborn didn't take away all leadership capability from him. He was still one of the lead tribes. There was the four lead tribes in, in the wilderness that had the standards and Reuben has that standard with the banner, the face of the man, just like, mm -hmm. remember we've gone through for a few weeks now with those four standards. And so Reuben had that one um, on his personal standard was the banner for his personal tribe was the picture of the mandrakes. Right. Uh, yeah. So he says um, he's offered his two sons to be killed. If Yaakov will allow Benjamin to go with him and if they return without him. So then in Genesis 49, three and four, his father basically states that because he was his firstborn, he had had really high hopes for him but he was unstable as water. He declared that his descendants would not retain the position of leadership that he was born into. The blessing that Moshe spoke over the tribe of Reuben is found in Deuteronomy 33, 6. Let Reuben live and not die out, even though his numbers grow few. From this, we can see that the tribe of Reuben desperately needed to experience the compassion of Yahweh and would in turn cherish that aspect of Yah's character. So this is why I see this as his blessing in Psalm 86, 15. But you, Adonai, are an L full of compassion and gracious and long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. Okay, so we see the following character traits displayed in the scriptures associated with Reuben, impetuous, illogical, emotional, amorous, having a, a proclivity towards sexual promiscuity, a lack of self-control, 
unable to walk in that authority that he was born into, yet a total lack of jealousy toward Joseph. And that's really amazing, you know, because Joseph ended up with the blessing of the firstborn. You know, and it was like uh, Robert said last night in his talk, we're our worst enemies, right? right? Everything there that is bad about Reuben is against himself. He's, yeah. That's against hurting him. However, he has compassion for others, his brother, uh, for for being still, even though he's not got the birthright, you know, he messed up. He's still going to to try to lead and care for them in the in the best way he can. Everything that is bad about Reuben is strictly him being his own worst enemy. Mm -hmm. And and I really picked that up a lot. You know, we <laughs> I really relate to that a lot. <laughs> I do. That's it's really something. You know, I've confessed to you that I see a little of me in in each of the ones we've gone through, and I understand Reuben. Like I, I understand everything that he's going through. Yeah. Uh, and he he does. He has compassion even through his mistakes and faults, though they be big. You know. Yeah. Exactly. I do want to take a moment to just um, reckon if, uh, recognize a few people who are here. Mm -hmm. um, Jennifer, really good to see you. Shalom to you too. We're glad you're here. Uh -huh. And Rebecca's already got a, a comment for us. Thank you, Rebecca. We're glad you're here. She says, I'm delighted that I got to enjoy uh, live. You're so nourishing study. Thank you for the blessings you're sharing with us. Love you, Shell and Lee. Well, we love you too, Rebecca, and we're we so do. glad that you're here. Thank you so very much. Now, I had wanted to share a few more things because just some of the things that we've kind of experienced as a community and group, I really just saw some insight in this particular book that I have. It's called Heart, uh, I'm sorry, it's called Tribes of Israel by mm -hmm. Gwen Shaw. She is no longer with us, um, but this is a wonderful book. And and um, I've had this book for um, about 20 years now. I, uh, my, well, I may not have had it that soon. It may have taken me till about 2003, 2004 before I actually got the book. Um, but I've learned so much from it over these years. And so I wanted to read some of her insights because she has done, she just did so much work and I've been reading out of this and you can hear the things that I share. You can hear Gwen Shaw's heart coming through because I've meditated on what she shared in the hard work that she did in putting all this together for the body of Mashiach. So she was a missionary um, all over and did just some wonderful work all over in the nations. So I am, I'm reading this portion out of, um, she's talking about right here, his sin with Bilhah. Okay. And she says here, we see here that Reubenites have a weakness. They are a loving people, a compassionate people. They are a people who are full of good-hearted deeds, but they are a people whose compassion can suddenly turn into uncontrolled passion. There are a lot of Reubenites in the ministry because God needs the compassion that the Reubenites have. He knows them, he knows their weakness, and he has compassion on them, for he sees the beautiful spirit that they have. Do not despise or scorn the Reubenite or think he is the only sinner in the tribes. There are weaknesses in all of the tribes and not everybody who is overcome by passion is a Reubenite. 
Isn't that true? Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. And so now she's going into Reuben, the elder brother, and she's referring to uh, Genesis 37, 19 through 22. And she says, and, and this is out of the scripture. And they said to one another, behold, the dreamer cometh. Right. And, and, and so that was that part of scripture. So here we know Yosef has been sent out by his father to check on them. So we get to see Reuben's compassion. He's not full of bitterness against Yosef like his brothers are. Reubenites do not harbor bitter, bitterness. They see their own weaknesses. And so they find it easy to forgive what others do to them. Reuben feels his responsibility towards Joseph because he is the firstborn. He's playing the part of the big brother, going against all the angry brothers who are full of hate and murder. We see here the courage and loyalty of Reuben. The Reubenites have great courage and loyalty to those whom they love. They are willing to stick their necks out and risk their own lives or favor to help someone in need. Something remarkable about this relationship between Reuben and Joseph is that Reuben was the firstborn of Leah and Joseph was the firstborn of Rachel, his mother's rival. In the natural, we would think that he, of all the brothers, would have reason to hate Joseph because Joseph would likely get the firstborn rights simply because his mother was his father's favorite. He also knew that Jacob loved Joseph more than he loved him. Had he not made him the beautiful coat of many colors? But even so, we find no trace of cruelty or conniving in Reuben. He has a plain old loving heart. He is a beautiful person. A Reubenite will not easily work tricks on you. He will assume the responsibility of caring for the little brother. He stood against his own blood brothers, the sons of his own mother, Leah, to defend Joseph. That is character. Another thing you see in this story is the wisdom of Reuben in handling the case. If he had openly opposed his brothers, he would not have been strong enough to handle them all. He speaks with real intelligence. He said, we should not be the ones to shed his blood. It is not good for us to shed blood. Let us just throw him into the pit. He will never get out of it alive. And we'll be able to say honestly that we never hurt him. We never did a thing to him. But in his heart, he had the intention when they weren't looking to go back and pull him out of that deep pit and save his life. And so we see the loving compassion of Reuben. It is so beautiful. I would rather have a Reuben who makes a few mistakes and is sorry for them than someone who is cruel and thinks that he is so very righteous and perfect that he could never make a mistake in his life. So he has no love or forgiveness for others in his heart. Wow. And yeah. that's how I feel about Reuben. I mean, the whole time I've been digging in um, for the last week, I usually start after we finish our last one to really start digging in, it takes that long because it there's does. so much. Um, I spent a lot of time in prayer for the father to show me what he wants me to connect. You know, this isn't you or I forcing, you know, trying our best to line things up. This is the father lining this up, you know, and boy, Absolutely. I, I have seen that in Reuben this last week. He, he definitely has a place in my heart. Um, 
and I and I get him. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm so grateful our brother Chris McIntyre is here too because I could not remember the name of Gwynshaw's ministry to save my life. It was just blanking in my brain, but he's got it. It is in time. In time, handmaidens. I'm yes. gonna write that down. Yes, that is the name of the ministry of of Gwynshaw, who is now passed from us, who wrote this book. Right? She did such a beautiful job. Thank okay, you, Chris. So, we were, I was asking for that earlier. I, I just couldn't remember it at all, but it just had left my brain. So thank you. It takes the whole tribe, doesn't it? It does. And that's what we're here for, right? It takes the whole tribe and work the whole body system to work together. Yes. And I'm example right there. That's right. So I want to read you a little bit more of what Gwenshaw wrote here. She, I'm, I'm reading now. Um, she's got it entitled Reuben's Tender Conscience. It's out of Genesis 41, uh, verses 21 and 22. She said, and, and they said one unto another, we are very guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us and we would not hear. Therefore, in this dis is this distress come upon us. And Reuben answered them saying, spake I not unto you saying, do not sin against the child and you would not hear. Therefore, behold, also his blood is required. Okay, so that was the scripture. And then here's her notes on that. The sons of Jacob are standing before Joseph, but they do not know who he is. Joseph has put, just put them into ward for three days and has brought them out. And now they are filled with terror. Reuben suddenly speaks up and Joseph understands it because it is his own tongue. You can still, after all these many years have passed by, about 22 years, see his tender conscience. His old tender conscience never let him rest. Yes, the Reubenite may sin easily in a moment of uncontrolled passion, but he will not sin comfortably. He will be so miserable, so unhappy, so guilt-ridden that he will not be able to live with his sin. And even if he tries to make things right, there will always be within his heart a feeling that says, oh, why didn't I do it different? Oh, why wasn't I more careful? Oh, why was I such a fool? Isn't that interesting? It is. It is. And so human. Yeah. So human. <laughs> Yep. I mean, I've, I have certainly felt that way. I, I, I really resonate with that because I have done some stupid things in my life. <laughs> I have a PhD in it. <laughs> I said, I, I graduated from the school of the university of hard knocks. Right? I sat behind you in class. <laughs> off my paper. <laughs> I did. <laughs> yeah. Robert, Robert and I always laugh. We just look at each other sometimes and we go, always the hard way always <laughs> because we just are like that that's just yeah. how we are sometimes you know so i i want to read here a little bit of what she had to say about reuben's family tree so she was going into the sons of reuben uh were hanok Falo, hezron and carmi and she kind of gives a a definition of each one hanok is another adaption of the word Enoch, right? So Enoch, and we know that Enoch was this, the righteous man. Uh, Enoch was the great patriarch who walked with God and then was not, 
for God took him. He experienced translation. When parents named their children in Bible times, they revealed their very own lives in the names of their children. They didn't choose the name of some famous person whom they idolized like people do these days, but they revealed their soul in the naming of their children. When Reuben named his firstborn Enoch, he must have had a longing for the purity that Enoch had experienced. For Enoch was the most pure of all the men that had ever lived since Adam's time, including Adam. He was so pure that in the antediluvian age, when all around flesh became so vile that God said the stench of it had gone to his nostrils and he was going to destroy the earth, Enoch walked with God in love and purity and perfection to such a degree that God said, I can't let you stay down there in that old mess pot anymore. You just come right along with me. And he took Enoch home with him. I see in Reuben a longing and a desire for the purity of God. Sometimes it is good for us to make a mistake. It makes us cry. Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of vile passions. When you see there's nothing good in you, you long for the absolute purity of God. You long for his perfection and holiness. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it is. is And so true. And I, I've definitely been that person that cried out like that, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love this. This says, Jennifer says, we went to the same school. (laughs) We got the same degree, didn't we? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I know it. (laughs) You know, and a lot of us, we may be new talking or new in the ministry of standing out. um, But that doesn't mean that we haven't had a degree in the the school of hard knocks where we have, we have been refined by the fire and refined and refined to the point to where you're like, is there going to be any of me left when you finish? Because I feel like I might've been good. The last disaster, you know, and it's from that place where like James and I have been shoved out to talk, you know, we are new. I mean, not new to our faith, but new to this walk. So yeah, I totally. And I promise I didn't, I did not physically shove them. (laughs) (laughs) What's funny is James prayed and then y'all said, okay, how about next week? I know it was so funny. He answered so fast, didn't he? He did. <laughs> he did. All right. So, um, brother, uh, brother Lee has from Blood of the Lamb Ministries has a, a comment for us. We see the sin and impulsiveness continue with his descendants in Dathan and Abram rebellion in number sixteen. Absolutely, we're going to talk about that in a second. And he said here, these hung on to that jealousy of not having the power of the firstborn. Absolutely. That's exactly what they did. That was exactly the problem. Um, He's referring to the um, rebellion of Korah. And we're going to talk about that. Okay. So the next son is named Falu. I'm probably saying it completely wrong. (laughs) It means someone marked by God, unusual, separated, wonderful, famous, Do we sense a bit of pride in the naming of this one? Pride is a very dangerous thing and is something that we have to be very, very careful of. If we trace the line and lineage of Falu, we find some very distressing things about this branch of the family of Reuben later on in the scripture. Here it is. 
Numbers 26, 5 through 10. And this is exactly what Brother Lee was just mentioning. Reuben, the eldest son of Israel, the children of Reuben, Hanok, of whom cometh the family of the Hanukites, of Palu, the family of the Paluites, of Herzon, uh, Hezron, the family of the Hezronites, of Carmi, the family of the Carmites. These are the families of the Reubenites, and they that were numbered of them were forty and three thousand and seven hundred and thirty, and the sons of Palu, Eliab, and the sons of Eliab. I'm not going to go through all the names. Okay, so this is that Dathan. Okay, well, I guess I have to. And the sons of Palu, Eliab, and the sons of Eliab, Nimuel, and Dathan, and Abiram. Okay, so this is that Dathan and Abiram, which were famous in the congregation, who strove against Moses and against Aaron in the company of Korah when they strove against Yahweh. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up together with Korah. When that company died, what time the fire devoured 250 men and they became a sign. This is where pride's going to get you. Falu's descendants rose up against Moses and brought revolution in the camp, even though they were the Lord's separated, wonderful, unusual children. Number 16 gives the story in detail. Um, verse three says, and they gathered themselves together against Moses, Moses and against Aaron and said to them, ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them. And the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. When Moses wanted to reason with them, they said, we will not come up. And they accused Moses of bringing them out of a land that flowed with milk and honey to kill them in the wilderness, accusing him of making himself a prince over them. Rebellion against God's anointed leadership is a terrible thing. The reason that Reuben was so easily led astray was because he is easily influenced. In this case, he was influenced by Korah of the tribe of Levi. Korah rose up against Moses because he was jealous of Moses. The, of the call of God and the position of leadership that he had. He was an ambitious, bold, and haughty man. In Jude 11, his name is linked with Cain, the murderer, and Balaam, the false prophet. Yet he was of the Levite family. The judgment of God came upon these people and together with their wives and children and all of them perished. This is the tragedy of error. When Reuben went astray from the will of God for his life, he brought his wife and children into the pit with him. And it came to pass as he had made an end of speaking all these words that the ground clave asunder that was under them and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up and their houses and all the men that appeared appertained unto Korah and all their goods. That's from number 16, 31 and 32. This is the sin of pride and its result. They rose up against Moses. After all, did their name not mean distinction and famous? Their attitude was, we ought to be a little more important around here with a name like ours. We command a little respect. And who does Aaron think he is? And who does Moses think he is that these two should be the only honorable ones? They joined with the Kohathites and made an allegiance that resulted in the judgment of God 
falling upon them and the earth opened up and they were destroyed. Many of the descendants of Reuben were lost in that act of rebellion. We must be careful not to allow a spirit of pride and rebellion against God's anointed leadership to bring destruction upon us. Beware of doing your own thing, even if it is for the Lord. As long as Reuben walked in humility, God blessed him in spite of his sin. This was because he had confessed it, but he never confessed the sin of rebellion. Pride goeth before fall. They disappeared from sight as the earth swallowed them up and they covered and then covered them over. The man who goes his own rebellious way will also be forgotten in the end. He must beware. We must beware that we don't try to be what God didn't mean us to be. Keep humble before Yahweh. Don't ever think that you are someone when when God has not decreed that it is your ministry and calling. Let every Reubenite be content in the calling wherein he is called. Beware of assuming that God has called you to something which you are not capable of or prepared for or destined for, lest you waste your precious life like a prodigal son. Reuben, be content with that good thing God has given you. Do not lust after the green pastures of Bashan. Reuben had this fault that he wanted to accomplish God's plan in his own way. He wanted to be a father at the wrong time and in the wrong place and with the wrong woman. We find again that he wanted to be someone important here in the ministry of the tabernacle, and it was to his destruction. So we must each of us keep our own calling in God. This is one of the reasons for this teaching of the tribes. It is so that you can learn to know who you are in the body of Yahusha and do not presume to be something that Elohim didn't want you to be. I thought that was very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So then we see where he ends up on the wrong side of the Jordan. So the last two sons of Reuben, Herzon and Carmi, Herzon means greening, blossoming, lovely, entrenched, fortified, hedged about farm, farm building or farmstead. And Carmi means my vineyard, my noble planning, settlement or colony. When I've looked into this word Carmi, and I've, I've really dug into this one from my own family that I can see some things. Um, what I saw is his that name Carmi literally means like garden of Elohim garden of Yahweh. Right. Yeah. So it says these last two sons of Reuben, and I'm still reading out of the, out of the um, tribes of Israel book. Okay. From Gwenshaw. These last two sons of Reuben, Herzon and Carmi were involved in the work and the produce of the fields. They also had great herds of cattle. Numbers 32, one through five um, tells us, you know, the fact that, they wanted to stay on the other side of the Jordan because mm -hmm. of their cattle. Okay. So when they saw the land on the east side of the Jordan, they wanted to settle there. No doubt they were also influenced by Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh. After coming this far, fighting the enemy all the way, they wanted to possess these green pastures, which were not an original part of the Canaan land, which God had promised them. So Reuben must be careful that he does not fail to enter into the full promises of God. They reasoned with their natural mind what might be best for them. We also see another weakness 
So Moses immediately sees their weakness. A good father sees the weakness of his spiritual children. Moses said in Numbers 32, 6 and 7, shall your brethren go to war and you're going to sit here and wherefore discourage you the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which Yahweh has given to them? One thing is certain about the Reubenites. They do not like fights. They just don't like to get involved when there is a battle. They do not like bloodshed. They would rather avoid it. If there's any way that they can sneak out of it, they will. But Moses said, this time you have to fight. If you do not, you will discourage your brothers. All of Israel will be discouraged about entering into their promised land. This is the tragedy about Reuben. He is tempted to settle down in a good place rather than persevere, fight through, and win that best place that Elohim has for him. Reuben, be careful that you do not put up your big sheep folds and enjoy life while the rest of your team is fighting the enemy in the front lines, because this is warfare. How can you run away from the battle and seek out an easier life? You will not be left to rest in peace. Your conscience is too tender. God will make you miserable. Your life is unfulfilled. This is your promised land. Not that one over there on the other side of the Jordan. You're only there because someone influenced you and not because God called you there. Turn around, Reuben, and come with us into the battle. Reuben always needs to be exhorted. If you ask Reuben to testify, he always is reluctant to stand up and give his testimony. But when he's supposed to sit quiet and pray, he's ready to preach sermons. This is the unpredictableness of Reuben. Reuben is a moment of passion and a moment of passion will say things that will shock him 24 hours later. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah. He himself won't believe that he could have said such a thing. When Moses had finished deal dealing with Reuben, of course, he was ready to go to battle. Reuben is not hard to lead. They said to Moses, thy servants will do as my Lord commandeth. Moses had warned them that if they did not go to battle, they would be judged be sure your sin will find you out, is what they were told in Numbers 32, 23. How well Reuben knew the truth of that had his father not discovered his sins with Billah. Did not all Israel know what Reuben had done? Had Jacob not announced it before all the tribes, Reuben can never cover his sins and get away with it. God will not let him do it. God loves him too much. I thank God that God does not let us get away with our sins. We will be caught in the very act. So do not try to hide your sin. You will not succeed. Your conscience is too tender before Yahweh. Okay. So I just thought that was extremely interesting. There's a lot more she has to say, but I'm not going to go into all of it. I will say this. She does say a little bit later, she's talking that she sees he was ardent, impetuous, unbalanced, generous, without any craft or maliciousness or cruelty of any kind. His occupation was that of a cattleman. History tells us there were no great judges or heroes or prophets or warriors or kings of that tribe. They were just ordinary people. They were peace-loving people who hated to go to battle. Very, very interesting. Right. Very interesting. Yeah, I thought so too. So now I'm gonna I'm gonna read just a little bit more of something that we had found out of the uh, testaments um, of the twelve patriarchs. Uh, 
Sefer Publishing put this in two of their books. Um, I believe it's in, um, Sha I know it's in Shamayin, and I think it's in the Bear Sheet book also. So I just wanted to read to you chapter one of this so that you can see his own words. Okay. So the copy of the Testament of Reuben, even the commands which he gave his sons before he died in the 125th year of his life. Two years after the death of Yosef, his brother, when Reuben fell ill, his sons and his son's sons were gathered together to visit him. And he said to them, my children, behold, I'm dying and go the way of my fathers. And seeing there Yahuda and Gad and Asher, his brethren, he said to them, raise me up that I may tell my brethren and to my children what things I've hidden in my heart. For behold, now at length I am passing away. And he arose and kissed them and said to them, Hear, my brethren, and do you, my children, give ear to Reuben your father and the commands which I give unto you. And behold, I call to witness against you this day, the Elohim of heaven, that you walk not in the sins of youth and fornication, wherein I was poured out and defiled the bed of my father Yaakov. And I tell you that he smote me with a sore plague in my loins for seven months and had not my father Yaakov prayed for me to Yahweh, Yahweh would have destroyed me for I was 30 years old when I wrought the evil thing before Yahweh and for seven months I was sick unto death and after this I repented with set purpose of my soul for seven years before Yahweh and wine and strong drink I drank not and flesh entered not into my mouth, and I ate no pleasant food, but I mourned over my sin, for it was great, such as had not been in Yasharel. All righty. Wow. Yeah. And I have to say, the testament of Reuben that you sent to me, I have read it and read it and read it, and there's just so many layers in there. There's so much in there so much deeper than just what we're seeing, you know, on the face level. And of course that's how, that's how y'all operates, right? Yeah. Uh, there's always a deeper meaning to everything. We just have to be willing to search and, and pray about it. And he shows us. Yeah. Yeah. So are we ready for me? We are. I'm so excited to see what you're going to show us I about know. the connections here to the urinary system in the There's in our physical body. So much, um, so so much. <laughs> I have to say, I have truly been blessed by doing this study with you, Shell. I've always wanted to understand the tribes and to dig in deeper. And like with James, I've realized when you pray about something, he answers and he may answer in a way that is going to really push you to the limits of your brain. <laughs> but then he's like, but I made your brain and I made you who you are. And I promise you, you can do this. So in prayer with him through this whole thing, he has just showed me so many wonderful things. Um, so mandrakes was the first thing I, I was impressed upon to look at, uh, are their banner and it is in the shape of a human body. Ooh. The mandrake, uh, the root is in the shape of a human body, um, which I found super interesting. Um, seeing as it, his sin was of the sexual nature that would involve the body, you know, of a woman. He saw her, right? Right. Um, 
So it was also believed to exercise control over the body for someone who didn't have control over his body. Think about that. That's one of the uses medicinally. It's used to treat fever, anxiety, depression, insomnia, and gout. And it was used, like you said, as a love potion. They believed not only could it open the wound, but it was a love potion where you could make someone fall in love with you. Right. And in that pictograph, I saw the strength behold within. Um, the yeah, aloe. So, that's the, so that's the pictograph of, of, of love. what his name Ahab. means. Ahab. Love. Ahab. Mm-hmm. So to me, the urinary system, which is responsible for maintaining homeostasis within, there's a definite strength within. And we're going to see that. There's so much it's responsible for. And again, as we brought up so many times, the tribes had to work together. They were family in every way. And everyone had to get to working together because if they couldn't, bad things happened, right? So there's six in the marching order and the urinary system importance is sixth out of the seven major body systems. So the urinary system is also the sixth important, the sixth in the marching order, the sixth in line, you know. That's amazing. Um, Yes, yes. There's so many things like that that just blew me away. He was the oldest son of Yaakov and Leah. And there I've got Leah. I don't know. It's Raquel, right? Or is Leah right? Um, no, he is. He's the oldest son okay. of, of, yeah. Of, I don't know of why Leah. I confused myself. Mm-hmm. I do it all the time. <laughs> so the, the heart of Reuben is compa- compassion. Um, and when, as you read, Yahweh saw Leah was hated. He opened her womb, um, but Rachel was barren. So you've read through this. He did play a role in saving his brother um, because of his compassion. Uh, I did love where you read uh, his might, the first sign of my strength, because he was the firstborn. But then again, in 49-2, he will no longer excel. And that was due to his sin of incest with Bilhah, his father's concubine. Um, Yeah. So we get to the urinary system. And it is everything to do with turbulent, unstable waters, right? And if you've ever had kidney issues or urinary tract infection issues or anything like that, you understand unstable as water. Yeah. Um, and that's exactly what what his dad told him. He said, you know, you would have excelled, but you are unstable as water. And it's like, you know, water, what it takes on, what the shape of whatever container it's put in. If you put it in a glass, it looks like a glass. If you put it in a shoe, it looks like a shoe. And that is unstable as water as you can get right there. You can change your shape as to what you're doing in your life, right? What you are exhibiting (laughs) or what you're letting uh, control you from the outside. That's more of what I would see with that. The outside, letting the outside control you and change you like your flesh, you know? So the seven, there's seven functions of the urinary system. And you're going to see why this is, is really interesting in a few slides. Um, and they consist of eliminating waste from the body. They regulate your blood volume They regulate your blood pressure. They control levels of electrolytes. They regulate metabolites. They regulate 
uh, blood pH and release a hormone to control red blood cell productions. Mm -hmm. All of those things are vital within the body. And, and it's a very delicate system. And we're going to see how delicate it can truly be. Uh, the kidneys are made of four parts, which I found interesting. You know, repeatedly we're seeing certain numbers, um, numbers that have very uh, deep meaning with Yahweh in his blueprints for everything, for our, our universe, our world, our body. Uh, we're all connected. He made us all in this grand, des grand design and we all, all of it fits together and ties together. Like I know people think, oh, there was a different blueprint for this and a different one for that. You're going to see if you dig into this that that we're not where it's all made from the same blueprint. Right. <laughs> Everything, even down to our organs in our body, our body systems. So I just put for knowledge sake, the four parts of the kidneys are the capsule, the cortex, the medulla and the pelvis. It has tiny, tiny vessels that filter blood and they're so very delicate. Um, and urine is the is a blood bright byproduct. It is not toxic, believe it or not. It's 95 wow. percent water. There's that turbulent, unstable water for you. Ninety five percent water. 2.5% urea and 2.5% of other mixtures of mineral salts and enzymes. Here's a really important fact. If one kidney fails to function and is removed, the other kidney can increase in size by 50% within two months to handle the entire task wow. of filtration. So as we see Ruben willing to, to help with different situations, uh, to be compassionate, to help out others. Yeah. We see that compassion here. Your kid, if you only have one kidney, the other one that's left is going to take on the responsibility of handling it. My grandmother actually lived 60 years of her life with one kidney. Um, so it can be done and you can live a very full, happy life. That is really fascinating. Isn't that I mean, fascinating? It's, it's, that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Boy, I see that in Ruben, you know, mm -hmm. I see that he's willing, you know, he would be willing to stand up that way. He may not have had any physical strength for himself, right? Right. <laughs> to keep himself on the right track. Uh, but he's willing to help Yosef. He's willing to to step up, even though he isn't got the, the oldest birthright. He is willing to be the oldest and help make decisions. Yeah. So the human bladder can stretch stretch to hold 400 milliliters of urine unless you're a nurse and it can hold like 2,000. <laughs> <laughs> years, years after no longer working, you know, nights or working on the floor, I still have that capacity. <laughs> so the, the kidney can clean more than 1 million gallons of water in a lifetime, which is more than enough to fill up a small lake. That blew me away. So I had to put it here because... Who doesn't want to know that fun fact? <laughs> You're welcome. You can go tell someone that today. <laughs> That's your fact of the day. <laughs> That's awesome. And and urine stays in the bladder for up to five hours, uh, it, depending on if you have a healthy urinary system. Nice. I just wanted to give an overview of that. Nice. And, you know, Ruben was in the south uh, part camp. His camp was to the south, right? Right. So... 
the major components I would consider of our urinary system are to the south. Right. Um, because you've got they they nestle in the middle, lower middle part of your back and downward. So to me, yeah. that's your southern hemisphere. Yeah. Um, here you have the kidneys. And on top of these that look like little funny hats, um, this is our adrenals that are responsible for releasing uh, a hormone that is going to be key and vital with everything that happens in our body. And we're going to read about that in just a little bit. Wow, that's amazing. Don't they have something to do with even like energy levels? Absolutely. That awesome. is uh, adrenaline. You know, okay. when you get that adrenaline, you yeah. know, push uh, when something happens, uh, mothers have been known to pick a car up off their child uh, to to just do a ridiculous feat of strength. That is your right. adrenal glands kicking wow. in and saying, go, go, go. So like you said, uh, he called him unstable as water. You shall not excel. And I know that had to hurt, uh, but so true. Reuben was afflicted within his urinary system. And this was from the Testament of Reuben. And what a wonderful read that is. I would just suggest anyone, if you want to really get an understanding, um, it is vital to dig yeah. into that. So he went through this transgression for seven months. There's that seven, right? Uh, urinary tract infection could be caused by a sexually transmitted disease. We don't know that that's what happened. I know uh, from reading uh he said that he thought he was going to die. And yeah. uh, if you've had a urinary tract infection, they're pretty rough. You know, you run a fever um, in the elderly, they get super confused. And usually we find out they have a urinary tract infection because the family brings them to the ER and it's like, they are talking out of their head. We don't know what is going on and we can check their urine and boom, they've got a septicemia going on in their urine. You know, and it can be very serious and it's extremely painful, extremely painful. So in the Testament of Reuben, I wanted to read uh, the this is chapter three, 11 through 15. For had I not seen Bilhah bathing in the covered place, I had in the covered place, I had not fallen into this great iniquity. For my mind taking in the thought of the woman's nakedness suffered me not to sleep until I had wrought the abominable thing. He was so in his flesh and he couldn't get it out of his mind at all. Yeah. Um, he couldn't think about anything else. And, and honestly, I don't, I'm for certain he didn't care what she thought or anyone else thought. Um, it was just going to happen. He was going to make it happen. Yeah, that, that spirit of lust, right? That, oh, that spirit yeah. of lust spirit that just lust. attaches and just, you know, it, it, it doesn't, it's not going to let go easily. <laughs> and he's confessing this to his family. Yeah. You know, his brothers are there, his children are there, and he's, he's really warning them. This is a warning to them. Yeah. Um, and he continues for a while, Jacob, our father had gone to Isaac, his father, when we were in Eder near F and I can't say these words, Ephratha in Beit Licham, Bilhah became drunk and was asleep uncovered in her chamber. And here is the first thing that hit my mind was, well, this was her uh, inability to control herself. Mm -hmm. You know, that's one of the things we're to have control 
over ourselves in all things. She had become so drunk that she passed out. That's what I see there. She was passed out. And, and you have to think about this because this is, um, you know, she was Rachel's handmaid. Now, Rachel, um, I, I believe Rachel had already died at this point, you mm -hmm. know, because she died in childbirth with Benjamin. So, you know, Billa's whole existence, she was a handmaiden to Rachel. That that was who she was. And Rachel know? was gone. And she was gone. And that mm -hmm. was her purpose was to assist her and be there for her. And so, you know, she may have been overcome herself in, in loss of purpose. Depression. And depression, loss of purpose can lead us into some very bad choices. And this is why we've so got many for me. Husband. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> I get it. I get it. That's why I said I get this, all of this. I get yeah. I get it. I understand. And you know, through the whole thing, I, I think I've told you, I have such a tender spot in my heart for Reuben because he's pouring this out. You know, I, I told you yesterday, I never had to worry about being caught in a lie or being caught in a circumstance because I was always like, I have something to tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I messed up really bad. You know, that's just how I've been. Uh, <laughs> my whole life. Uh, and here he is pouring it out. He is, he's pouring his heart out, you know, having yeah. therefore gone in and beheld her nakedness, I wrought the impiety without her perceiving it and leaving her sleeping departed. And straight away, an angel of Elohim revealed to my father who was in some, he was in Bethlehem, right? He was yeah. in, in Beit Likam. Yeah. So he, he, the angel goes to him and tells him what has happened. You know, that's a supernatural, wow. that's a supernatural trait. I mean, you know, uh, there's such value in being able to hear the still small voice of Yah and, and he clues us into things that are going on when we're plugged in with him. I mean, he, he doesn't, res it, it's not like he reserves that aspect of care for just this one or just that one. He, he's no respecter of persons. It's those who, you know, have an ear and, and it's, and it's not something that we can control either. You no. know, there's no magic, you know, formula that makes this happen. It's, it's all about relationship. And then Yah shares what he wants to share with his servants when he wants to share it, you know, right. right. And, and time and space make no difference to Yah. <laughs> and I am always praying to let me hear that still small voice. Shut my mouth when it needs to be shut, you know? So here's the sad, another sad part. Another sad part about Bilhah is he touched her no more. Yeah. So this sexual sin cost everyone. She probably was shunned uh, from that moment on and she had already mm -hmm. lost uh, Rachel, she had already lost her purpose. She, at that point, was tossed aside, you know? Yeah. And that's how I see that. She was touched no more. No one else. It wouldn't matter if it was uh, Jacob or not. And no one, she was touched no more. End of story. Yeah. Period. And to me, that's that probably is what he mourned over just as much. It cost everyone. It cost his father, it cost yeah. him, it cost her, it cost people around them. Like this was an event. It hurt everyone. 
you know. Yep. One of those life-changing events. Absolutely. Yep. Can't go yep. back. Nope. Cannot go back. And he confessed, you know, after defiling the bed that he was smote with a sore plague in his loins for seven months. And that had his father not prayed for him to the Lord, to Yahweh, otherwise he would have been destroyed. If his father hadn't prayed for him, he's for certain he would have died. He would have yeah. perished. So he was sick. He was mm -hmm. super sick. I promise you if it was, uh, and I do feel, you know, I've gone in prayer. I've looked at this. I've thought about it medically. He definitely was having a system, a urinary tract system issue. You know, uh, he repented with a set purpose. For seven years, he gave up wine and strong drink. He did not eat flesh or any pleasant food. He kept himself even from having happiness of eating his favorite food. Yeah. He was that mournful over his sin. He wouldn't even enjoy eating something that he liked. So nice. it, he was punishing himself. And I've said that before. I don't need anyone to punish me or call me any name. I can do that just fine myself. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> And could this also be a reflection of Israel, you know, transgressing, worshiping strange Elohim and not having flesh in the wilderness other than manna? You know, he gave seven years, gave it all up. Yeah. You no, know, no flesh, no strong meat. He was in repentance. Yeah. Um, and you reminded me this was amazing as well. Our cells renew themselves every seven years. So it takes, it took him seven years of repentance to remove that sexual sin from his very cells. Wow. And so he did this fasting, this total fasting and mourning and prayer to remove that sexual sin down to the level of his very cells. And yeah. wow, that to me shows he had a complete understanding of the depth of his transgression, you know, yeah. and I noticed something in this, our urinary system function itself, removing the, re, bleh, removing the waste reflects the steps that Reuben went through, removing the waste of sin from his body. Mm -hmm. So he went through eliminating uh, no meat for seven years that uh, eliminates waste from body. Right. <laughs> Excuse me. Let me get a step. So next we see uh, regulate blood volume in morning praying and no strong drink. Alcohol causes a little dehydration because it puts your body in a diuresis, right? We all right. know we're dehydrated uh, when we're drinking strong drink. So right. that that is the opposite of regulating your blood volume, right? Yeah. Regulate blood pressure the same as well. He cut out the meat. He cut out the wine. He cut out the strong drink. Uh, has a direct effect on your blood pressure. When you eat those things, it makes your blood pressure go up or down. Right. He cut that out, right? He's regulating the blood pressure. Controls mm. level of electrolytes. There you go with the wine and the strong drink again. He's literally resetting the system that was affected for seven months by his sexual sin. And this just every part of it spoke to me, yeah. um, regulate metabolites, meat definitely causes some issues with metabolites and wine and strong drink, regulate the body pH or the blood pH, no meat, you know, 
release a hormone to control red blood cell productions, no wine and no strong drink. These are all the things that would counter the ability and capacity to do those things to their fullest extent. So when he went through his seven months of, of illness and his seven years of repentance, through that, all of these systems in those seven years were able to go back to the very cellular level of perfection. Wow. Incredible. So he, yes. He was yeah. cleansing at a level that that even y'all knew, okay, you've caused this issue. This is what you went through for seven months. This is what it's going to take for you to get back to a place of functioning. Because mm -hmm. I think he was in renal failure. I think he went through a time of renal failure in those seven months. And when you cannot produce urine and you can't remove that waste from your body, people blow up like a balloon. It's extremely painful. It affects your mind. It affects everything within you. So I think it took him those seven years of removing the things from his life that were going to do more damage. You know, yeah. he had to exhibit self-control completely to be able to heal in that level, to be able to heal that sexual sin out of what had caused just, I am sure, widespread pandemonium within his urinary system. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing to me when we start really looking at, at this of how fragile we are, when you look at it on, so on fragile. personal, yeah, this personal level, but then let's take that, the wide angle view and look at it as Yasharel as a whole, as the body of Mashiach. It's fragile. We've got to be careful with it. We do. Know? We've got to be careful with the people as well, because they, what one person can handle, another cannot, you know, just because I can take the hits to me over and over and keep going doesn't mean that there isn't a person out there that can take that and not just be slammed to the ground in the bed yeah. with a blanket over their head, you know, wanting to be done. And yeah. a person like me years ago, that is what happened when, when I had attacks. Yeah. That is exactly what happened is I wasn't strong enough in my Ruach. I wasn't strong enough with y'all within me to be able to handle those attacks. We need know? a new, we need a new slogan. <laughs> Yasharel is fragile. Handle with care. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I agree. So he was warning and within this Testament of Reuben, just amazing seven spirits of error that he saw when he repented. So this, these seven years uh, while going through this and his cell renewal and cleansing process, a detoxification from the sin and the damage he had brought upon his physical body and his Ruach. Okay. <laughs> seven yeah. spirits appointed against man. He came up with, or he saw like it was given to him, you know, and yeah. they are leaders in the works of use. And they're leaders in the works of anyone breathing, if you ask me. Amazing. I see a correlation between these and the issues that affect our urinary system, the unstable waters that flow within us. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, you want to read that out? Chris says here, a wonderful message. Definitely a message for the whole of Yasharel. They went whoring after foreign Elohim all the time. We are Yasharel by belief. We need to guard our thoughts and tighten the belt of truth. Amen. 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 With every breath and every word. I agree completely. 
So here are the seven spirits of error and their effect on the urinary system. So the spirit of fornication is number one. And this is the one that cost him and those around him so much. And, and when you hear him through the whole Testament, I just hear the tears. I hear yeah. the mourning, the tears, the pain, the sorrow. He's so sorry. And there are definitely things in my life to this day. I've told Shell every morning I get up and I lay things down at the cross and I, I may have to do it every single morning. But he gives me the day where I'm like, I can breathe and I've been able to set that down. It may come back but I'm going to get up tomorrow morning and I'm going to hand this back off one more time. You know, you know, I, I think that that's um, a really important point when we're new to the faith. I think that, that we're often, you know, I think that the enemy is able to lie to us that says, you know, that if we take the correct steps and we go and we repent before something that immediately, then from that point forward forever, that thought's never going to come back. That struggle's never going to come back. Mm -hmm. That's simply not true. It's going to come back more. It will because, <laughs> because the, the enemy then is going, he, he is not happy when someone escapes his clutches. Right. Absolutely not happy. And he will so, come grab it and claw in any way he can. He doesn't know our future, but he knows the, our buttons and yes. he knows how to stick his finger in a wound or rub salt in it to remind you or try to tell you, you don't matter. You're not necessary. You, you need to just be quiet. No one right. likes to hear what you say. No one likes you, you know, and I say, well, I'm here for the one because Yahusha right. told me, even if I can reach just one for him, that the angels celebrate. And that is who I'm after. I may not have 500, but there's going to be one that's going to hear us. And they're going to be like, thank you. Thank yeah. you for saving my life because someone saved my life by turning the light on for Yahusha and Yahweh. Yeah, Kat's saying, I think y'all reminds us of what we've done that we shouldn't, um, that we shouldn't to keep us humble. And I agree. And, you know, there's one other principle to me that, that I see like in warfare, um, when the enemy's trying to drag me down, because what the enemy really wants is to shut me up, you know, yeah. so that I won't be speaking about the wonderfulness of Yah. So he'll take things from the past. And I, I learned this a long time ago. And one principle is Yah laughs at the plans of the enemy. Mm -hmm. So I've learned now when I know, I, and I know that I brought everything that I am aware of to the foot of the cross. I know that I have, you know, it doesn't mean that something won't come up 10 minutes from now that I need to bring to the foot of the cross, but to the best of my ability, everything that I'm aware of, I know that I have. And so what the enemy would do to me for a long time until I learned this, that he really hates it when he gets mocked. <laughs> he doesn't like being laughed at, which is what Yah does to him. And this is Yah's strategy as found in Psalms two. So now when well, you know, a long time ago, I learned to do this when he would bring back something and I knew I had repented. I would just raise my hand and I would start laughing and I would say, you know what? 
adversary. I'm so happy that you reminded me of that today because now I have another reason to praise Yahweh because he set me free and forgave me of that too. Thanks for reminding me. Amen. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that. It's so true. Try again. Right. <laughs> Father took that. Yes. So here we see uh, the first one, spirit of fornication. And what happens when you give into that uh, is sexually transmitted disease and urinary tract infections. Uh, absolutely. Um, then he saw the spirit, spirit of insatiableness in the belly. Um, and I saw unhealthy diet damaging the delicate balance of filtration of waste within our kidneys. So that insatiable, insatiableness, if I can say it correctly, um, is like, I'm just going to eat whatever I want. I'm just going to, yeah, my flesh wants it. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to drink it. I'm going to eat it in excess, regardless if someone's telling me all that sodium is killing my kidneys and my ankles are the size of an elephant's leg. I'm just going to do it all. Yeah. Gluttony, uh, right. Right. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Absolutely. And you can have gluttony for so many things, not just food. Right. Right. So the spirit of fighting in the liver and the gall, these are, these are the spirits of error that he saw during his repentance. Mm -hmm. So that spirit of fighting, stress in our life, fighting with others, it affects, it affects our kidneys filtration and function and ability to regulate hormones. That's why when you're under attack, when you're fighting with people in your house or you're mad or you're upset, it throws all your body systems off. Yeah. And then I also wanted to put in there, you know, actually physically fighting can affect uh, kidney punches, causes damage uh, and blood in your urine, you know, mm -hmm. and that uh, a lot of boxers, if you've ever watched boxing um, or anything like that, that's one thing that can really hurt a person. You can yeah. actually kill someone hitting them hard enough in their kidney. Wow. You, know, you can rupture things. So it's so everything in there that does our regulation and filtration are so delicate, so delicate that even too much sodium can affect them and their ability to work. Right. So the, and I know I'm not going to say this right. Spirit of obsequiousness, 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 obsequiousness. Yeah. I, I'm not sure, but <laughs> yes. That word right there and chicanery <laughs> that through officious attention, one may be fair in seeming. So you're seeming away, but you're not. So to me, y'all pressed on me. That's just ignoring signs and symptoms of an unhealthy lifestyle and a diet that's affecting fluid retention and system error because you have this this air about you of everything's fine. Everything's great. You're, or you put on these airs that you're one way when secretly you're not, there's wow. something under your under skin. Line. You know, mm -hmm. you're a, a, you're a wolf in sheep's clothing is, is how I get that. You're, yeah. you're something you're seeming like something that you're not. Yeah. So, or, or even trying to, put on a front like yeah we're not sure of who we are it, it, you know we try to I used to put a 
say, you know, uh, people love to put on their church face when they go to church and then they get in the car and take it off and they're screaming at their husband and their children. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yes. Or you're doing that, that on the way to church. Yeah. You know, and then you've got to put on your church face and yeah. you go in in front of everybody and then, yeah. I know exactly yeah. what that's about. Yeah. <laughs> sure do. Me too. <laughs> so the spirit of pride and this one, you know, we, we deal with this so much and it, and like we were talking back and forth last night, that's not anything Hasatan has to trick us into doing. It's something we willingly do every day. Uh, have to try really hard to not be prideful. And it's easy to want to boast about your kids or boast about this, or I did that, or I did this. You know what? I, like I say, we're nobody. I don't even care if you know my name when I pass away. That's not important. I, what I care about is that you're going to say, you know what? She loved Yahweh. Yeah. And she did everything she could, even through mistakes and wrongdoings, to, to bring his word out and not hers. And that'll make me happy. I don't even need a name on my headstone. Just say she loved Yah. <laughs> it's good enough for me. <laughs> So spirit of pride, that one may be boastful and arrogant, having a mindset of do what thou wilt. Mm -hmm. And when your urinary system is gone, however, it's just gone. Mm -hmm. I have had so many people that I took care of as patients that were so prideful. Oh, I can eat that. I can do that. I've ate that my whole life. I'm fine. Everything's fine. I'm strong. I'm so strong. My body can handle this. Well, when you're going to dialysis three times a week for eight hours a day to have your blood cleansed, I don't think so. You know? <laughs> yeah. Spirit of lying and perdition and jealousy to practice deceits and concealments from kindred and friends. Mm. Stress. This is so much stress. Yeah. It, it really is. Even when you yourself say you're the liar. And I've been through this in my life. What happens to your body when you're keeping a lie? Yeah. You're sick. You're sick at your stomach. Nothing work right. You're just nervous all the time. And that nervousness deal has such an effect on the, that just delicate balance within your sit with all your systems. Like, honestly, I feel like all of these I could go through and just add in, it would be forever, but I could add in the cause and effects of every body system. And it's not good. None of them are good. You know, I, I find that one really interesting. You know, Laura Lee and I are, um, had, had done her show uh, last Monday, the first one. And both of us kind of have that background into those 12 step programs. And one of the slogans within 12 step programs is your secrets will keep you sick, you know? And absolutely. I mean, it's, it's absolutely true. It's when, because the enemy uses that against us, you know, when we try, you know, because you, you share that stuff and it takes the power out of the enemy's hand, you know, because then people can see you and see you in all your faults and love you anyway. That's the power mm. of unconditional love. Amen. Of being able to see, yeah, yeah, my friends made mistakes. Yeah, they're not perfect. None of us are. Mm -hmm. None of us are. I'm going to make a mistake in 10 minutes, probably. <laughs> Me too, Lee. I'm going to try real hard not to, but. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Interesting. Mm -hmm. 
And the last one is the spirit of injustice. And that has to do with what we're talking about, isn't it? Injustice with which are thefts and acts of rapacity that a man may fulfill the desire of his heart. So that means I'm going to do this regardless of how it hurts anyone else around me. I need to fulfill my purpose. So I'm going to do that. Right. Um, even if I have to steal or whatever it is in any way, I, I have to fulfill my desire of my heart, myself, yeah. in my flesh. Right. So in that, making unhealthy choices, regardless of the effect on the body. And boy, doesn't that fit for the body of Yahusha. Mm-hmm. The spirit of injustice has an effect on the entire body of Yahusha. It just does. like it has within everything I'm showing here. You you just can't make those unhealthy choices and it not affect the body, you know? And then other parts of the body are trying to compensate, you know, for the damage that is in, in this part. Now we're having to compensate all over the place and it stretches everyone out, you know? Yeah. And everyone is stressed out. Yeah, and weakens all of these, the entire body, weakens the whole thing. It weakens it right straight down to the core. And yeah. like even with something as simple, people think the urinary system is so simple. It's not. Yeah. It's so intricate. It's removing the waste from your body. It's removing the things that are harmful to your body. You know, it's urine is non-toxic, right? But you don't want that floating around in the tissues of your body because your yeah. body can't filter it out anymore. It will cause your demise yeah so that delicate balance just like with reuben just like we see in his life that delicate balance was thrown out and it just it literally destroyed him for for quite a while and it took seven years seven years of repentance seven years of fasting i keep going back to that and just am amazed at his level of love for Yah, for wanting to to cleanse it all out of his system. He knew, he knew. So these were just some other, uh, I wanted to tie in who was in the camp, right? Yeah. So they were on the south side. Um, South side shall be the standard of the camp of Reuben. Gad and Simeon camped with them. Gad, whom we're going to see coming up, you know, in the future, we're going to cover is that next week. Is, is God next week or, or Shim, Simeon next week? You know, I don't have my paperwork up here. Yeah, I think it may be Gad, but I left all my stuff. See, I either leave my stuff up here and I need it down there or I'm down there and it's up here. <laughs> it oh, may be. I can tell you, I've got one right here. Oh, good. Down on the floor. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> all right. Simeon. Simeon okay. is next week and then Gad. Awesome. So Gad is the immune and uh, hematology system. All the blood in our body is filtered 400 times through our kidneys every day. There's the four, 400 times. So you want to talk about working together. Yeah. You definitely want to work together. Reuben, the urinary system wants to work with the immune and hematology system. But even so, as much as that, Simeon, the endocrine system, our adrenal glands sit on top of our kidneys. So you want to talk about working together there. The adrenal glands release aldosterone, which is a hormone that sends uh, signals to the kidneys to absorb more sodium into the bloodstream and release potassium 
and it's supposed to be into the uh, urine. I don't know why it said ring. And the result is the homeostasis of your blood's pH level. So important and literally looks like little hats sitting on the tops yeah. of your kidneys, you know. So Gad and Reuben would not go to war, but wanted to stay uh, in Yaaz Air, the land of Gilad, because it was a place for cattle. So they were not able to go into the promised land, uh, which we know uh, only, uh, and I can't ever say, save Caleb, the son of Yefuneh and Kenizi and Yahusha, the son of Nun. For they have wholly followed Yahweh. He just they just wanted to stay where the cattle would be. They didn't want to do the the last hard step. And uh, and then to me that was even more heartbreaking because he had done some major hard steps. Yeah. He really had. He had he had purged, he had cleansed down to his cellular level, but still there was that part of him that was like, ah, this is good right here. We'll yeah. Maybe he thought he didn't deserve it, you know. I mean, there that I don't know if that's part of it, but he just thought, you know, this is good enough here. I'm not gonna have to fight anybody. We will just stay right here. The cattle already like it. That we're all good, you know. How many times in my life have I definitely uh, not wanted to do the hard work, you know, to to chain, to just stay where it's comfortable. And this has definitely not been a comfortable thing, learning to put your face out there and, and talk and speak. But Yah says, you know, do something and I'm going to do it. And, and that's why we're here. It's, it's a learning progress for James and I, uh, we may not always say the right things or get it right, but you know what? Y'all says do it. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't have that capability to just say, oh, we're getting comfortable right here. We're just going right. to stay here. You know, I hear him call my voice yeah. and, and I'm going to respond. <laughs> yes. He's definitely <laughs> called us by name to do what we're doing. Absolutely. And Hallelujah. Yeah. And that's what I had. I thought it was amazing going through this. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I'm hearing a lot of feedback. So I'm pro- we're, we're done anyway with our presentation today. But um, thank you, James. I know he probably just did something, <laughs> but it sounds much better. So, so anyway, um, we thank everybody for being with us. Um, I hope you guys are enjoying this as much as Lee and I are, because we're getting a ton out of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're just having a blast doing this. I and I can't it. wait to see what we learn even next week when we go into Simeon, because, you know, it, it's a, a another, uh, it's a lot to learn. And, and I'm hoping that it helps us learn how to be more careful with each other, to learn how delicate each system is and how important and how we can't do, we can't just lop off one thing. It it all matters. And we've got to be able to appreciate, you know, each system and appreciate each other and work together Mm -hmm. for Yah's kingdom in our right place. It's a fragile existence and to maintain that homeostasis it's there's a a a a dance you know yeah we should be in fluid with each other you know yeah 
Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much, you guys. We really appreciate everybody thank being you. here. And um, we look forward to next week. And just in a couple of hours, you're going to be back with your husband. We James. are. And, and boy, we found we're going over what's in a name. Um, so those that are on this journey with us, we're just bringing about uh, our how we started on our journey almost four years ago. And and one of the first things was discovering the true names. And I even found some interesting facts that uh, a lot of people may not know um, and some revelations. And I sh we so appreciate everyone that's coming and listening to us. It's just, it does us good in our hearts to know that we're reaching someone. And even if it is just one or two or however many we're just blessed to bring it and we really hope to see you guys yeah. later. Well, thank you. Thank you for all that you guys are doing. Thank you everyone for being with us. May Yahweh bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and give you his shalom. And so with that, we're going to end from now and, uh, Look, please come back and join Lee and James in just a few hours, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Bye-bye, y'all. Bye. Their journey began in Yasharel. But they were scattered across the face of the earth. Each one with its own beats. And each one with its own rhythm. As the dry bones are being revived, the beat begins again at the heart of the tribe.